Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. And if you're joining us today for the first time, I want to encourage you, be a part of the whole series, such an important subject to be looking at what is the enemy trying to do? What is behind the scenes and who is God? in the middle of that. So we're gonna get right into it because we've got a great, great session in store and we're gonna pray and ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to cover us. Father, we thank You today. We thank You that You you are the God that has always been. There is no shadow of turning. You're the God that is absolute in authority, that Your Word is true. Not only has it proved to be true, it is who You are. It has absolute authority to turn things around and today, As we come to Your Word, we pray that You will lead us, Holy Spirit. There will be an incredible peace. There'll be a sense of deep inner assurance that God, You are with us and You are moving through this time. Bless everybody that's a part of today. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Can you say Amen? You know, I think for everything in life, there are times and there are seasons. And uh, I have been thinking about what are my takeaways When it comes to the season, what are the things that I feel there is clarity around it in my own heart? I don't know about you, but I love takeaways. If sweet and sour is in the kind of framework, I'm Santa Marie, we need to go. She's not that keen, but takeaways are important. And God is wanting us all to really focus in and have some takeaways. I think some of the things that are a part of the season that I feel strongly about is uh, that we are all coming to terms and recognising that there is a new level of global instability. That actually right across the world, people are being shaken and people feel like, I'm not sure exactly what is going down. Uh, Many, unfortunately, are becoming disempowered. They're being disempowered by fear. And maybe today you're feeling fear and you feel like that fear has been rocking you. Well, What in hell is happening? There is an enemy at work who wants us to buy into his uh, view and his perspective. And God turns us the other way and says, no, you can trust me. You don't need to allow fear to rule because that will disempower your faith. It'll stop you stepping into who you are. I think a third thing that I've observed in the season is that very much so there is a real attack on togetherness even within the church, even within families, because we are facing things that we have never faced before, that people are feeling the pressure of kind of uh, separation and people that see things different to us. Well, even in the middle of that, my response this week has been in all that's going on in my world, just to take time to speak in the language of the Holy Spirit and just to allow my spirit to rise above everything natural that's happening around me everything that other people are shaking because of, that language, the power of praying as God would pray on our behalf. And maybe today God is saying, would you come back to the wonder of realigning your spirit to truth? There are so many wonderful things that God is bringing us into focus. And we're gonna touch some of those. In fact, I read this week, Mark chapter 16 and verse 17. This is what Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. I want you to hear this. In my name, not what's happening around them, but in my name, we will cast out demons. We will speak with new languages 
And not only that, we will find ourselves taking up serpents and even if we were to drink any deadly thing, it won't harm us. In fact, we'll lay hands on the sick, hear it, and they will recover. I'd like to encourage you today to stop for a moment and say, you know, how am I seeing life? Am I seeing life through the perspective of a God that can cause deliverance, healing, breakthrough, the power of the Holy Spirit being released? Not gonna buy into the fact that there's an enemy that wants me to give in to His way. I'm not buying in to the hell agenda around my life. I'm coming back to who God is. In fact, first week that I read out of 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. I wanna touch on this one more time. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. But in the day of the Lord, it will come like a thief in the night. In other words, God's end and God's timing is gonna happen in a way that's unexpected. So don't be surprised when things around you are happening that you didn't expect. Verse 11, 2 Peter 3. Therefore, since all these things, talking about this world, will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you and I to be? We should be holy in conduct and in godliness. Verse 14, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, let's be diligent to be found in Him, found in peace without spot and blameless. Here's my thought as we get into today. Are you looking forward? Are you literally looking forward right now? Or are you looking around at everything that's happening? Or as many have throughout the journey of their lives, look back and continue to feel condemned or feel like it's something that they can't change because of what happened. No, the Bible says, hey, don't allow anything to stop you from looking forward. So what in hell is happening? The enemy wants to shake us. They wanna change the reality of the truth of God's Word and cause us to buy into the stuff around us rather than who He is. So we're gonna get into today. We're gonna do it a little bit different. And I'm really, really pumped today to have Ben Mays with me and Luke DeYong. Welcome, team. Hey, good to be here, Pastor Paul. Are you excited about today? I'm very excited about today. We're talking Bible, so I'm, I'm all in. I've done my research, my reading. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's cool. And what about you, Luke? Yeah, I just love that uh, in these times, we can actually take some time to talk about these things. I think it's really important. Yeah, and I think the subject matter is just, I love, the, I love the title, to be honest. What in hell is happening? Devil, you think you've got control. You think you're shaking us to the core. But you know what in hell is happening? You're confused. You're in a place where your um, plan, your intended outcome will not take place. We are coming back to the truth of God's Word. And if you're not a Christian or you don't have a relationship with God, what a great time to just get connected with Him and know that the enemy does not have the final say. So what we're gonna do, I thought we'd change things up today. Ben, I'm gonna start with you and go across to you because there is a lot, isn't there, when we talk about revelation, when we talk about uh, the end of God's Word, the final book, and about what that means. There's a lot of confusion both inside the church and outside the church. I think even inside the church, there's a whole lot of people that are getting off on tangents. And uh, I'm looking forward to you just sharing with us what you've learned about Revelation. So over to you. 
Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Pastor Paul. Uh, if we haven't uh, met before, my name's Ben. I'm, I'm part of our Life Leadership College team and look after the teaching side of things. So this is basically like catnip for me, getting to get into the Bible and the context and everything else. And look, I know for me, the book of Revelation is probably one that I have found quite scary in my Christian life. Um, I think probably unwisely was shown some like Christian horror movies in my young years of like all sorts of like scary things happening and thought, man, that book is, is too much. Uh, but this season has really caused me to jump back into the book of Revelation and look at it afresh. And as I've been reading and studying, I've come to realize that Revelation is actually a book of hope. Great. Because it speaks at a time where everything seems out of control, where things seem, you know, beyond our comfort zone. And in the midst of it, the message is that Jesus was and is and will forever be. In fact, Revelation 1.8, Jesus says he is the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, in our language today, he is the A and the Z. In other words, no matter what happens around us, no matter what we're looking at, Jesus is faithful and true. And more than that, he's returning for us. Um, you know, anything that's written in the Bible, uh, we're always best to understand it if we can understand the context of what was happening at the time. Nothing in the Bible is written in a vacuum. Nothing was written, you know, uh, devoid of circumstances, but it was always written in the midst of situations that, like you and I that we face today. In Revelation, we best think it was written around about the year 95 AD. Now, for some context, for the church at that time in the Roman Empire, it was probably 0.001% or 0.01% of the entire population. So if you can imagine that, one in every 10,000 people knows Jesus and everybody else doesn't. And the churches are struggling at the time. And in fact, there's a Roman emperor at the time, a guy called Domitian who's come through. And Domitian did not like anyone who challenged him or his perception or his, the idea of him kind of ruling forever. And so the churches had the opportunity to be quite persecuted at this time. Like literally, you could lose your life for believing in Jesus. But even beyond that, there was also this culture at the time where people worshipped the emperor as a god. And in fact, we're about to talk about a couple of cities. In these cities, there were shrines set up um, to the emperor to worship him as a god. And what you would say is, Caesar is lord. In other words, Caesar is greater than anyone else. To say Jesus is lord was to directly contradict the culture and the religion and almost the law of the time. And so what we find in the book of Revelation is we find Christians who are struggling to deal with this. Like, how do we have hope? How do we live at a time when it seems like everything is against us? It seems that to even just to stand firm and to, to hold onto our confession of Christ is to put our whole lives in danger. And in the midst of this, the Apostle John, who we believe wrote this, this, this revelation, receives these visions from heaven and he writes to these churches who are in these situations to give them the confidence that Jesus is coming back. In fact, in Revelation 1.9, John says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. So from the very outset of Revelation, we get this context. It says, you know what? There is some suffering right now. There is some need to, be, uh, to endure to press on, to, to hold fast to Jesus, but it's going to be worth it because he is our alpha and our, our omega. And in fact, uh, history tells us that it didn't get easier from that point. In fact, it got a lot harder. In fact, for the next 200 years or so, the persecution continued to increase and increase. And Revelation was a reminder to the church then as it is to us now 
that it's okay. Because unlike other religions in the world that when everything is just a cycle that goes round and round with no escape, actually we know through the Bible that there is a start and that there is an end. Not only is there an end, but the end is assured that Jesus has the ultimate victory, that he is the ruling king who is coming back. And it also says that the end is not, um, you, you know, something to be left to the imagination or the, left, uh, the end is something that is unclear, but actually Jesus is going to return and bring a new heaven and a new earth. And can I tell you, I don't know about where you are right now today, but I know that we are definitely living in a time where control and comfort don't seem as certain as they used to be. I know I had an email from a lady this week who is on the front line with COVID and actually lost a family member to the virus in the last little season. You know, there are people going through some genuinely hard times. There is struggle and challenge. But how great at this time to know that our Jesus is still the reigning king and that he is still going to return. Uh, in fact, along with maybe some of, when we think Revelation, we think some of the imagery of things that seem quite wild and startling. We might think of numbers and, and everything else, but Revelation starts with a picture of God on the throne. And so good is our God and so powerful is our God that the angels around the throne cry out day and night, it says, holy, holy, holy is the one who was and is and is to come. It doesn't lessen, he doesn't give up. Jesus doesn't fade or, or diminish into the background, but he remains as true then as he is now, as he will be. And in fact, it says there's elders around the throne with, with crowns on the head and they just cast them down and worship because they go, anything that we have achieved or done, any glory we have is nothing compared to the glory of our God. This is the God who is in control. This is the God who sees from beginning to end this is a God who is for us and who will bring about his solution and his end. And so in the midst of all this, this book of Revelation is written to these seven churches. Uh, these seven churches were in an area called Asia Minor, which today is modern day Turkey. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to actually walk some of these streets and to see the, uh, see the places where these people would have walked and talked and, and met and try to work through these times. And the message to these seven churches is a message that we can take on board today in our lives and realise that actually in the midst of a time where, you know, what in hell is happening, that there is actually a way forward and there is a way to live during these times. And we can learn from the book of Revelation. We can learn from um, how they approached it and we too can live in that best season. So that's a bit of a summary of the book of Revelation. Yeah, so good. I've, in fact, uh, you're inspiring me to go back to Life Leadership College and uh, learn some more, because I think there is so much that we at times carry. Uh, I think we can all fall prey to that, which is actually not the tone of what Scripture has. Because again, a lot of us think, well, book of Revelation, end of times, we've got a fear, there's, it's beyond our control. It's always beyond our control, but it's actually a book and a season of hope. It's, it's a time where we're going, God, you're bigger than this. You are the one that everybody worships. And so what in hell is happening? The enemy is trying for all of us to give way to uh, what uh, the enemy has as an agenda. And he is saying to us, no, that's not the case uh, for us to give into that, but to come back. For you, Luke, uh, again, growing up in church, obviously there is a perspective, isn't there? And we'll talk a little bit about this in a few moments, but there is a perspective that hell is something different than what it 
really should be. So over to you, talk to us, because if we go to Revelations, there is some incredible messages to the church. Yeah, and I think, as I'll just echo what Ben's saying, I think for me it's like, how good is a God that we serve that he actually gives us a book that helps unpack the reality of what we're about to face, uh, what we are facing, and to breathe hope into who we are. But I think growing up for me, I've discovered that actually uh, I got to get less concerned about what has been, what is happening in and around me and actually start in these days and times to take a self-inventory what is happening in me. And I think for all of us, as Pastor Paul put so brilliantly last week, we've actually got to discover uh, and, and be on guard is the way I would read the book of Revelations of what the enemy's trying to do to rip us off. But yeah, there were some incredible uh, thoughts in the book of Revelation that again, I came back and did some study on this week, which were particular messages to the church. And I think as God-fearing, Jesus-following Christians, we should take heed of what is being talked about in here. And simply, I would, in the simplest way, boil it down to these two common ideas. I think that God, in each one of the uh, encouragements to the churches in those cities, really was saying two things here. He was saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to be looking at your works. Uh, I know your works. And to me, that speaks of the importance for us as Christians to actually Make sure that in these seasons of indifference, these seasons of confusion or uh, overarching control, whatever you want to deem it as, that we do not lay stagnant in our faith, but we actually push forward. That actually we are going to be known by what we do in these moments, not by what we say and not by what we necessarily confess as our belief, but actually on top of saying, I am a follower of Jesus and I believe that you're in control, God. It's now making a decision to do. And then secondly, it focuses in for all of these churches on this idea that we've got to be in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I love Pastor Paul, as you said, that this week you found yourself more than ever going back. How often are we tuning in and listening to the voice of God? Or is it the voice of social media, the voice of the headline, the voice of those that are in the same camp as us that are living in fear? What, what are the voices that we're allowing speak? Or is the voice and the very presence of God himself who is in control the main voice? But I guess as I looked at some of the churches and for sake of time, we won't go to all of them, but I love that there is a specific request from God as well as an encouragement a lot of the time in these times for the churches. And in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, God was praising them for times that, as Ben was talking about, a persecution that they did not grow weary. Don't grow weary in times like this, church. We have the hope of the world inside of us. I find myself growing weary when I focus on the external things, not coming back to the internal relationship. I have, but there was also a warning to the church in Ephesus and that warning was, hey, do not lose your first love. Don't lose sight of how good God is. Remember when you first discovered the grace, the goodness of Jesus? Don't lose that wonder. Don't lose the reality that actually He has saved us, that actually He is for us, actually He resides in us. And so I think it's really important in these times that we take a moment to remember that. Uh, uh, Smyrna in the church there, you know, I love this because I think this is pretty important and being touched on it. I think we are in days where the church is being persecuted, but nothing like they once were and possibly nothing like they're going to be. But 
the encouragement here was to not fear suffering. And even to the point where it talks about the reality that people will go to jail for their faith. But don't fear suffering. And it's a reminder, I believe, that the gospel that we have received is not actually about giving us an answer to avoid persecution, but giving us answers and hope in persecution. So we don't need to live in fear of suffering. And maybe another one, if I picked it, which is what Ben, I guess, touched on in Philadelphia, the church there, God was reminding them that God is actually holy. (laughs) He's not just some good idea or some finite being, but actually God is holy. And we need, if we get a revelation of that in our own soul, in our own spirit, in our own mind, we need to then bring the stability that brings in the shaking times. And I think for all of us, we need to be encouraged. That truly is a book of hope, that in these times we have hope. And really, throughout those seven letters, I would say, you know, it was an encouragement that God is good and we need to have a love for God, not a love for other things. These are times where we come back to what it's all about. And when we come back to the reality of what it's all about, it's loving God and loving people. We need a love for God. We need the loving of people, service for others. Like I said, what are we doing in these times? Are we just worrying about ourselves and our situation or are we picking up the phone? Are we pressing in and serving others around us? Are we checking in on our neighbours? Are we seeing that they're all good? You know, as Christians, that's our purpose here on earth, to serve other people. And then it talks about their the reality, as I touched on, around endurance needed in suffering. Actually, at the end of the day, God holds our whole world. Remember that good old nursery rhyme? (laughs) He holds the whole world. He holds your whole life. He holds the whole infection in His hands, so to speak. He is in control. And then we need to be really on guard, as has already been touched on, to reject false teaching. You know, there are so many messages out there. There are so many doctrines. There are so many points of view. Let's come back to the Word of God because Revelations actually provides hope and clarity even though there's a whole lot of things in there for me personally. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? I can trust that God is in control. Yeah, really cool. And I think it'd be good for us to take a little bit of time together and just talk through some of the things I think today we need to stop and think about. For example, uh, so do we or have we become people that with our faith has brought into a picture that is not really the picture that God gives us, which we would go, hey, if I'm really in the center of my life with God, then life is easy. Uh, Life is always blessed. Life always has the answers that I'm looking for. Whereas you break down the church and its revelation and Uh, It's revelation in revelation uh, of, no, there is a lot more to this that is taking place. Uh, I'm not sure. Can I be a bit controversial with you guys today? And obviously there are others uh, joining in. But uh, should we be the kind of people that are reacting to decisions made around us and getting really reactive on that front? Or should we be the people that go, well, even like Jesus, he held his tongue when he had a right to speak against the wrong that was happening around him. He just held his tongue and he had this inner hope and the strength that life was not like we had thought it would become. So we are all going to face persecution, aren't we? Are we going to? Ben, throw that. Well, uh, historically, uh, the church has been persecuted probably more times than it hasn't in various forms. I mean, I think even today we talk about persecution and we can think about our part of the world. Um, We aren't really 
in persecution as Christians in this part of the world. But if we would go to our brothers and sisters in China, in Iran, places like that, um, that's where we're, you know, those, those people live in, particularly in Iran, in constant fear. I was in contact a few years ago with someone in Iran and even talking on the phone couldn't talk openly about anything to do with faith because phones get tapped. But that said, um, comfort and control are not a prerequisite of Christianity. Uh, They're not what our faith is about. Our faith is about the fact that we have hope in Jesus beyond this life. In fact, I was thinking uh, that trip a few years ago where I went to, I got to see some of these cities we're talking about. I also went to Corinth where 1st and 2nd Corinthians were letters written to that area and that city is now in ruins. But there is a stone there and it's got 2 Corinthians 4.17 carved into it, which has sat there for I don't know how many hundreds of years. But it says this, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In other words, there are challenges and there are opposition in this life, but there is a hope far beyond that. And I think when it comes to some of the things we can get divisive about and can argue about, it can get caught up on and fixate on. Um, when we are in times of difficulty, I think we go to a couple of defaults. There's fear, there's denial, and there's blame. But the Bible reminds us, let's not get caught on fear, denial, and blame. Let's get fixated on the fact that our God is good and what is ahead of us is far greater than anything we face in this life. So let's keep the main thing the main thing. Love God, love people, as you said, Pastor Luke. So of course, then out of that, let me uh, throw this out. So it's gonna get worse. I mean, there is towards the end, what in hell is happening? The enemy's gonna be more stirred up. If we think right now we're facing uh, things that we didn't expect. Jesus said, Rem- remember, as I read, the end will come in a way and a time that you don't think it's gonna come. Uh, but in the middle of that, know that I'm God and that I will take you through this. And we have, by and large, I think, bought into a Christianity now that is, uh, it's a blessed Christianity. It's, and we believe that God is a blessing God. We don't have to live in fear, but at the same time, we need to realise that what in hell is happening is there is a stirring up of the enemy's agenda because God will keep true and He will be true to His Word. So therefore, in the middle of that, how do we respond to that? How, so there is, there's an awakening, awakening in Iran, in China, more people getting saved than ever before. And you'd have to argue that God can use those times more than the times of our blessed assurance in the sense of we're getting everything that we want, when we want and how we want. And so it is a wake up call. And I would challenge every one of us to go, hey, these are times for us not to fear, but at the same time to be aware, it's not gonna be the same as what it was. So therefore, what are we living for? Because when we do experience imprisonments because of what you stand for, well, our country or our nations should never do that. It's gonna happen. Let's not live in fear. Let's stand in the middle of that and say, okay, we are going to be completely living in the assurance of who Jesus is and His authority over our lives. So it's a, it's a wake up call and it's a time of preparation. The truth is persecution creates growth. It grows us. It grows the strength of God's Word living in and through us. And so we should see it like that and, and we need resilience. Talk to me, Luke, over the years, just, just briefly, how do we increase our resilience in times we haven't personally gone through before when we're faced with outcomes that we didn't expect would come our way? Yeah, I, I, it's a challenge. Uh, I, think, I think the main thing is stepping back and understanding the bigger picture. 
or at least seeing the bigger picture. Uh, it's not maybe our responsibility to even have to understand it all, because otherwise we'd be God and we didn't need him. But actually, victory, as Ben said, <laughs> is ours in Christ. And so reminding ourselves that even though we may face problems, that is not a sign that his presence is absent. That actually, he's always with us. He's promised that, which is a pretty amazing promise. Uh, I don't know how people do life without the fact of God living with them and in them and through them. But I think it's reminding myself that, myself that the end is actually the beginning in the sense that as Ben talked, our faith is a beginning and an end. We get that with our life. You're born and you have life and then you, you die. But as Christians, we actually go to a better tomorrow. And so I've got to stand on what I believe and fight for what is right, yes, but not out of the absence of his presence being first and foremost, leading and guiding me. And it's amazing how when presence comes first in my own walk, the other things start to lose a bit of the sting quite quickly. I mean, I love Sunday. Sunday's my favorite day of the week. But even in this last season, we've been able to do church. It's albeit a very different way. And the biggest thing for me is I feel like I miss out on what was church where we all got to come together. And it's like, what, what am I actually missing? And I found myself being challenged and asking the question, am I missing atmosphere? <laughs> or am I missing the presence of God? Because I can have the presence of God at any stage. And it's amazing that when control and comfort look different, as Ben said, the presence of God can look the same. And my steadfast faith is found in my personal relationship, not my corporate faith, so to speak. And so I'm longing for the day where we come back, but I'm actually able to stand in times of trial and tribulation, in times of persecution, in times where I feel like freedom is getting taken away and trust that actually my decisions are gonna be based out of my internal understanding of Jesus himself to me and then activated on what I feel his presence is leading us into. Because how many know his presence leads us into all truth? And I think that's really, really important. And with that truth comes security. Maybe just a final short thought, um, Ben. We're in this time of obviously persecution, but the early church, you would have to argue, had to face a whole lot more than we have had to face in our lifetime. And so in the middle of that, it's kind of like, what was the key to the early church? Living with their heads held high, their hearts open to a God that they had met and loved. I think today, sometimes, as I said before, we've lost our dependence. We've bought into a God that's gonna do what we want, when we want and how we want. Whereas again, you have experts so-called around revelation and even their understanding of revelation, you can't actually get complete clarity from the book of Revelation. You get complete clarity from the God of the book. And so in the middle of that, I just want to encourage everyone, don't get off on side shots or you know alleyways, but come back to the place. So as a Christian, here we are. We're saying that there's gonna be more challenging times ahead, but how do we become like the early church that doesn't matter how challenging it becomes, we're positioned with the fact that, you know what, so what? So what, so what if we do lose our job? So what if we get persecuted for our faith? So what if people speak ill of us because we hold 
a biblical view. So what? Because we're looking forward to the coming of Jesus. How do we do that? I think that's a great question. Um, and I think let's be real too, like what we, what we have in a government asking us to do things we're not happy doing is not persecution. The persecution that early church faced was directly regarding their faith. But you know, they persisted. They kept supporting one another. They kept enduring in their faith. Uh, and this was in the face of possessions being taken off them, of arrests, of um, torture and even death. But you know, the great thing, as you mentioned earlier, persecution always leads the church to growth. And there's a story, I'll just briefly, that England, when the, the gospel first went there, there was a bunch of Christians that were taken out onto a field of ice and stripped of all their clothing, were basically put there to um, die from hypothermia. And while they were on that ice, they sang songs and they worshipped God because they realised what they had in him and the promise of the next life. And as the account goes, one of the Roman guards watching this took off all his clothes, ran out into the ice and joined them. Because when things get darker, the light shines brighter. That's so good. And I would just, I would just say, you know, the early church never lost their wide-eyed expectation. Yeah. Are you excited on the coming of Christ? Because yeah. actually it's a good day. Yeah. It's not a doom and gloom day. It's a good day. Although we know things may get naturally harder as we go through life. It's a great day, the coming return of Christ. And the disciples lived that way when Jesus actually left this earth and went to heaven. Every single day, they lived expecting and believing that Jesus would return because that was gonna be a better day for everyone. And so let's, let's just never, ever in these times lose our expectation for God, our excitement for the reality that Jesus is coming. He's returning for his bride and greater days are ahead even though we may find ourselves in more persecuted days as we move forward. Amazing. Well, thank you for your input. Thank you again just to bring out into the open the truth of God's Word. And for all of us today, I'm praying that God is gonna teach us things we, we knew were coming but didn't really know. And be assured that the God that created the universe is the God that lives on the inside of you, inside of me. I wanna close with a scripture I used in week one, 2 Peter 3.17. And I touched on this a number of times, but this is what the Bible says. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, since you know that the Word of God says these times will come, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Beware, that's the message really of today. This whole series is don't allow what's happening to you. Don't allow what you didn't ever imagine. You'd find yourself in a place that you find yourself. Don't allow anything to cause you to lose your steadfastness because your steadfastness is what God has given for us to walk through these times. The enemy's strategy, we've made it really clear, is to create confusion. It's to cause us all to focus in on fear, to encourage, the enemy comes to encourage compromise. You know, it's just too hard, Papa P. It's just, no, it's not too hard. The God in you has got the answer. You know, His plan is to increase division. Well, I'm for this, I'm not for that, I'm all over. Listen, they aren't the issues. The issues are where does Christ stand in the middle of who you are? Increase division, distract purpose. And I think we saw last week, detune our heart for salvation to help people know. And today, if you're joining us online 
and you've never encountered the wonder of the presence of God in your own world. Maybe you've had a kind of faith. Maybe you've had a belief. It doesn't take much to believe there's gotta be something bigger than mankind in this world. Who created the world that we walk on? Who created the harmony and the tension? Who, who created the wonder of the feeling of acceptance, of love, of forgiveness, of re realigning our lives back to the purpose that God created us to experience. You know, Christians aren't perfect people. They've just discovered the one that is perfect. They've discovered the one that forgives, the one that resets our lives. And the enemy has a strategy. What on hell is happening? Let me say it again. He's here to create confusion, focus fear, encourage compromise, to increase division, to distract purpose, to detune salvation. Whereas I'm saying every one of us have a God that can restart our lives, has a God, have a God that can forgive completely, have a God that will bring hope in hopelessness, that even when this world passes away, and by the way, the book says, everything of this world will one day pass away. Don't live for the things that are gonna pass away. Enjoy them while they're here, but don't live for them. This is a reset season. This is a time where we need to wake up Christians and not just think about me and what I get out of it, but to begin to win a world for Christ. And I believe that God is longing to have our full attention. And I'd love to pray a prayer today if you say, you know what, Paul, I feel like I've stuffed up on God. I feel like uh, I'm not in the place that I know I should be. I, I got a faith, but you know, I've kind of allowed it to take second place in my life. Today, by one decision, you can say, God, would you meet me and forgive me? If you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus, it's not about becoming kind of this Christian that has it all together or doesn't have it all together. It's about dependence on a God that picks us up where we're at and leads us forward. And I wanna pray the most powerful prayer a human can pray, which is, God, would you meet me today? You feel like you've lost your way, would you meet me today? Feel like you've let God down, would you meet me today? I feel confused and I'm fearful, would you meet me today? And that prayer will bring a shift in who you are. And one honest response to God means a new beginning. So if you say, well, Paul, I need to discover Jesus. I, I need to start again then join me in this prayer. Make it personal. Let it come from your heart. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank You today that You are the God that loves us without measure. You forgive us for everything that we've failed in. And God, You're the God that isn't religious. You're the God that wraps Your arms around us and You carry us through storms. You empower us to be able to stand on the truth of Your Word no matter what's going down. And today I pray for every single person that needs to connect or reconnect with You that today will be a decision moment, a decision point to give their lives over to You. And we will not give in to the lie of the enemy that says it's too late for us. We've failed too much, there's no hope for us. No, we're coming back to the truth of God's Word that the enemy is a liar and a deceiver. God, You are the God of hope, truth and a new beginning. Today, we give our lives to You and we invite You to become the centre of our world in the Name of Jesus. Amen. 
We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life, and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.